0: I'm Deirdre Mitchell-McLean,
1: and I'm Mark Taylor,
0: and you're listening to the Isolation Series on Political R&D. Our, uh, yeah, that's the only laugh we're going to get today. We've well, got a heavy.
1: Topic. How, about, how about we start with an introduction, <laughs> <laughs> other than just start talking? So,
0: I'm Deirdre Mitchell McLean.
1: And I'm Mark Taylor.
0: And we are going to deep uh, dive into a topic that is making headlines this week. Really, it's been making some headlines for the better part of the last month, uh, but it's very obvious that we have a crisis in senior centers, seniors care homes uh, across the country. Well, except Atlantic provinces. So far. So far.
1: Hopefully, hopefully I I haven't seen much um, on the news of of the actions they've taken. I haven't necessarily deep dived into every government. uh, but um, headline-wise, I'm not seeing anything. But conversely, we're not seeing anything headline-wise there. So, so uh, you know, we'll, we'll put the warning out to everybody in advance. Uh, normally, there's a lot of uh, joking and laughing about, uh, but Deirdre and I don't think there's going to be a whole lot of uh, uh, humor in this topic today. So if you're here for the entertainment purposes and not the educational, um, go back and listen to yesterday's podcast with Trevor Toomey and the crew so
0: yeah yeah so when we were first looking at this topic um, I had said to Mark I don't know how to talk about this without getting really angry and then Mark started to dive into it and said the same thing so this may be an angry podcast oh yeah that's it that's what we call it the angry podcast
1: yeah and and I'll, I'll I'll be for forthcoming i'm not a policy wonk in any way shape or form if there's any policies i chase health is not one of them um nor seniors in housing so um i won't say i'm a a foremost expert in any of this uh i will say that after reading up on this for a couple hours i'm right pissed off yeah all right, so Which, where do we want to begin? <laughs> <laughs> Which leads me to why aren't more of our elected officials? you know the ones who actually look at this for more than two hours not right pissed off. but yeah but we, we'll, we'll get into that later.
0: Okay, so where do we want to start?
1: Um, I, for me, I always like I always start with the numbers so regardless of whatever topic it is, I always start with the numbers and these are frightening. When, when I was digging into this, there's, I found a study that outlined where this problem was occurring in Europe. There was a five-country study done between Italy, Spain, France, Ireland, and Belgium, identified anywhere between 42 to 57% of the deaths they were seeing from COVID were at long-term cares and nursing homes. When so, was that put out? I, I didn't break that down. <laughs> There we go. Okay. There's the laugh of the day. Um, but I mean, obviously within the last couple of months, yeah, like, like everybody was looking um, at Italy going, what are you doing? Italy has got one of the oldest populations in Europe and they were seeing huge deaths because of this and they identified and they were at the 57% mark. So 57% of theirs were in the long-term care nursing. So there was red flag number one is that the number two, number three country, depending on where you throw uh, uh, Iran and all that, was was showing these signs early. Giving us all a heads up, this is what we needed to look at. I think if, and this, I didn't catch it in research, but if I'm off the top of my head, I think that's actually where a lot of this broke through in, in Washington State as well, yes. was the long-term care. So it it was obvious in Europe This was an issue. It was obvious in Washington. It was an issue. How many more times do we need to be told? We're now in a situation here in Alberta where, you know, 81% of the deaths that we've had are from people over the age of 70. And 62% of the deaths we've had in Alberta were at long-term care homes. So we're actually exceeding the Italian numbers percentage-wise. This is not a good thing.
0: No, and ours. And again, if you want to look at the what what began in Canada, it was, I believe, a long term care center in BC where they first had where they had the first cluster as well. Yeah. And BC, last time that I looked, uh, twenty three uh, long term care uh, continuing care centers had outbreaks.
1: Yeah. And, uh, you know, I'm going to give props to uh, Andre Picard from the Globe and Mail. He had a great article a um, mm. couple days ago that uh, really just, you know, highlighted where all these problems were. And it was things like, you know, the uh, the flags from B.C. Were, were being sent out a month ago. Like B.C. Had put up a warning sign and and it was ignored. And I don't know, you know why I'm not good you know there's obviously those will be the questions that people are gonna to have to ask down the road but I mean like Quebec wasn't paying attention Ontario wasn't paying attention and Alberta wasn't paying attention nor was the federal government on this and so some of the actions like Ontario just stopped the um, staff being able to go from one place to another this week
0: and that is minimally that is minimally three weeks later than BC did it
1: yeah yeah, uh, and just last week for Alberta. Yeah, eight days ago. Uh,
0: and and that we did talk about that. Um, was it on the A or D podcast last weekend? Yeah, where we discussed the the part time the part time healthcare aides that are working at a number of different facilities basically in order to make up full time hours. So there's a lot of movement in between these facilities. And again, BC had identified this. And they were, I'm not going to say quick, because they had identified this was a problem before they actually did something about it. Um, There was there was a lag time, I think, that I would say is, is not an excusable lag time, uh, which, which really is what happens when you look across the other provinces, the lag time between knowing that there was a problem specifically with the number of people that were going in and out of, of long-term care centers, you know, it, I mean, look at, look at even what Alberta did. We, we stopped family from visiting faster than we Put a stop to the number of healthcare workers that were moving in and out of, of different facilities. To be fair, I
1: think that was actually the same day.
0: Was it? Mm, no, I think they started. Uh, they we we started in Alberta making some of those, uh, making some of those additional regulations around long term care before we actually did the uh, the
1: workers. It still comes down to it was just last week, yeah. And and we we've, we've been seeing problems in in long term care here for longer than a week. So so oh yeah, this 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 is I guess really what's troubling me with it all. Like I mean, you know, we can get into the root cause in a bit here, but it's like this this is an older portion of our population. It's a higher at risk um, mm-hmm. population. And and really, what triggered you know both you and me to do this podcast was was that tweet from the MP, Mark Dalton. Yeah, that. DC. Yeah, like like completely. Well, it's again, you know, conservatives one not reading the room, and two, oh my god, like, could you be more callous? Oh, yeah. This and is three, these are your voters. Like, I'm sorry. These are your just, supporters. These are generally, well, supporters voted. Like, yeah. they might not actually have the finances to support anymore. But, you know, it's pretty common knowledge about going into these long-term care facilities, people getting dressed up and voting, and guaranteed more the majority of them are voting conservative. Mm-hmm. And, and, it, and yeah, you basically go. just threw them under the bus saying, it's like, time to open the economy. It's only the old are catching this and long-term care. We're fine like gobsmacking callous yeah which and gets into what the hell's the rest of the government doing
0: right and it you know this is something too uh that feeds into between the the left and the right the the commentary that is coming out of You know, I'd say generally more conservative leaning uh, individuals, if not their actual MPs, uh, is, you know, the majority of us will be fine. So let's let's keep going or let's reopen the economy. And this really feeds into a. The stereotyping that conservatives care more about money than people. And this is just this is just glaring neon signs that are that, that nobody, I mean, that the party can't want, nobody wants to look at, at somebody saying, I'm okay with this many deaths because uh, money.
1: Yeah. Well, and I wrote an editorial earlier this week that outlined the same thing. It's like, you know, Jason Kenny is basically standing up and saying, you know, we're sending PPE to these state or these provinces that uh, have been opposing our pipeline member. It's all about being Canadian. And it's like, you just equated the Alberta economic health with the other provinces, actual health. Yeah. And, and that, you know, there's that disregard, that disregard, that PPE is, is lined up for doctors, nurses, healthcare workers, and, and, that just smacked of the disdain that this province has for that profession yeah. because, you know, well, we, we equate, we equate your doctors and nurses with our oil workers.
0: Yes. They, yeah. Mm-hmm. And,
1: mm-hmm. and having worked in the oil patch and uh, I, I, I'm still to this day, you know, wanting to consider, it's like even at my age of 47, can I still get into medical school? Because I've got so much respect for this profession. I had it beforehand, but even more so in the last two months.
0: Yeah, most people have a lot of respect for the profession. Most people have a lot of respect for, uh, you know, caregivers. But this this is something that that has really brought, uh, you know, that, that flashing arrow saying here is a big problem. And I I think in Ontario, Ontario and Quebec, uh, the last time that I had looked at Quebec over 500, I think it was 519 at the time, uh, long-term care or senior centers that were, that had outbreaks. Yeah. So, um, and, and what they have discovered in Ontario has just been horrid, uh, with, and, and these were privately run. This is, this is,
1: most of them are, Which, most of them are, is yeah, that, is so, that
0: different in Alberta?
1: No, the one ones one's here are privately run. They're not run by the government. So,
0: okay. There's uh, there might
1: be. yeah, like, um, I'm just flipping through the article here. Clifton Manor, which is one of the outbreak areas, is owned by the uh, Brenda Stafford Foundation. So, yeah, okay. So there may be nonprofits, you know, not necessarily for profits, but right. um, but I mean, it it gets back into, um, are we taking our most vulnerable seniors, stick them in the building, shut the door, and nobody talk about you know what they're going through? Like, is are we at a stage where we just don't recognize that end of life has some issues. Mm -hmm. And, and so, you know, if we just box them up and, and I mean, I was even having this, uh, conversation. It's like, so when you take a look at a long term, like this morning offline with somebody else, and, um, when you take a look at a long-term care facility, it's, it's a double-edged sword. You've got residents who would normally be at home alone, Mm -hmm. who through, um, Uh, inability of their own or lack of interest, end up with huge isolation cases, may not be properly eating, may not be properly um, taking care of themselves through hygiene and the like. Um, So a long-term care facility provides a lot of those great things that they need. They have somebody who's making sure they eat, is making sure that they are getting, you know, regular hygiene, bathing, showering, whatever. Taking Um, their medication. Taking the medication Um, They've got a community as other people who are in a similar situation are all in the same space. Great, awesome. Flip side of the coin is this becomes a huge breeding ground for things like COVID in a population that is exceptionally susceptible to it because of all the health concerns they have. So we all sit at the same table because there wouldn't be anybody else here, but the problem is we're all still now sitting at the same table. So there's this double-edged sword with... The healthcare, so we should be, as a society, going, this is important, we should be taking care of these things, and so our response shouldn't be, let's under employ staff at these facilities, let's mm-hmm. make sure they're all part-time so we don't pay benefits to these people, so that they don't get sick leave, because this was identified early on. People who don't have the capability to take sick time are going to go to work sick. What are the symptoms of COVID? The common cold, the common flu. Things at least would be misdiagnosed as such. Mm
0: -hmm.
1: And so you you would go, well, yeah, I got a touch of a fever or I've, I've got some buildup in my throat. Okay, I've just got a bit of a cold or my allergies are kicking up or I'm a little under the weather, but I can't take sick time because there's no money coming in and I got rent to pay. So I show up and in fact, 117 people in the care facility.
0: There was a great article that came out of BC that uh looked at the issues that the healthcare aides and and I I will keep calling them healthcare aides because in general these are uh these are I'm not saying that they don't do it to nursing staff as well, but the nurses seem to be uh I don't want to say in higher demand because they're not, but in most uh, health, or sorry, in most senior centers or uh, or seniors living facilities, there is a requirement for a certain number of nurses to be available at any point in time during that 24-hour period, seven days a week. Healthcare aides are uh, they're additional help, but they aren't actually required by law to be in the facility, right. So with, so I will keep calling them healthcare aides because their situation is more precarious, at least employment wise. And yeah, a great article came out of BC with them discussing, or sorry, with specifically healthcare aides who were saying, you know, um, when, when they privatized this particular facility, uh, we used to have this many sick days, it went down to, we have two sick days a year. Working with a particularly vulnerable population to things like colds and flus and now pandemics, um, two two days was, like, that's that's ridiculous in that type of a facility anyways. Like, you do not want people coming to work sick. So two days of sick leave a year is is insane that's there's just there's it's it's a money-saving measure is all it is
1: um well you use the aids like there's certain things that only a nurse can do that's covered, that's under, the, the, that's covered under the that's uncovered under the the health practitioners act mm-hmm. but um so there's certain things there's certain things doctors can only do there's certain things that nurse practitioners can only do there's certain things only nurses can do and and so if you've got a plethora of activities. That a nurse could do but isn't required to you bring in somebody else to do it Mm
0: -hmm. that's a
1: cost-saving measure now you figured out that you can bring in other people who um, you you can bring them in part-time and so you can reduce costs even more now if you can claim that you couldn't get people to work for you for those horrible wages now you can go get uh, foreign workers to come in many with a medical background but not recognized Mm-hmm. who are coming to uh, Alberta uh, and then also sending all that money home. So you've got, um, you know, you know, not to pick on the Philippines, but I know that's, that's a major export of theirs are people. Uh, mm-hmm. So you bring in somebody with a medical background from the Philippines who worked part-time, they work at two or three um, long-term care centers and they, then, you know, they do what they can, they work their, their butts off and then they send a bunch of the money home to eventually have the opportunity to bring the family over. Right. Like I get, I get why they're doing it, but I don't get why we're doing it. We as a society, we as Canadians, we as Albertans, like I'm, I'm, I keep standing up and saying I'm a small seat conservative, but I'm really wondering by the time I walk out of this pandemic, if I can even say that anymore, because this is one of those things where it's like, this is where the government needs to step in and take over. Yeah. If we truly care about seniors, then act like it yep and this and, is and i'm not and and i'm i what really railed me more than anything else is i saw announcements from quebec and ontario and bc for money varying degrees being put in you know some of it might not be pure 100 percent, but it's like we're putting more money into ppe into screening into um what we could do for care homes increasing protection all those things and alberta nothing we have got Almost two-thirds of our deaths are in long-term care, and I can't find anything from our Minister of Seniors saying anything about what we're doing. I flipped through her Twitter feed, announced the $2 billion for roads, um, got a bunch of retweets of ministers. Um, you know, happy Caretaker's Day to you. Um, but I can't find anything with her. Like, the last news announcement out of that agency was February 6th. There's Mm -hmm. just nothing like I get most of the news things are now going to COVID, but I can't find anything that says that this is what we're doing in housing. This is what we're doing for seniors. This is important to us. This is where most of our problems are right now.
0: Mm -hmm.
1: And, and you're absolutely right. Yeah. Like people are screaming, where's Chandra and all these things. I'd be asking, where is Josephine Pond right now?
0: Yeah. And, and I think there there are definitely people <clears throat> I've seen people who are taking uh, Ms. Pond to task on this. I have seen a couple of her responses. but as a as a minister, you're right her her feed is much more filled with uh, with with economics, you know, which is again it's it's not that that's not an important part of this but in particular for the seniors and housing uh, minister that is not and should not be your concern not not right now not in the situation that we have
1: yeah well and and so this is this is this is where i'm agitated because you know i will take responsibility this has not been one of the, my number one issues so I haven't dug into it, mm-hmm. but now that I've dug into it, like I said, early on is like, I've spent maybe two hours looking into it. I'm annoyed. Yeah. And I, it- I'm, I'm assuming Josephine Pawn, who's been the minister since April has put more than two hours in, please tell me you've put more than two hours into this portfolio because I I would be, I would be standing on Kenny's desk screaming for action on stuff. I would be taking a look at what our neighbors are doing and going, we need to match those things. This is a problem. Mm -hmm. Now you're not, she's not going to tweet those things out hopefully, but um, it's, it's like, it's insane. You know, like, well, like her tweets from freaking an hour ago. Great way to keep seniors connected is somebody is using phones and tablets to connect with seniors. Really? Like, Two hours ago, great to see retweet of Jason Kenny. Construction on the TMX. That's that's the number one thing. Like it's just, it's it's amazing that, uh, it, yeah. I'm, I'm like I said, I'm agitated. I'm agitated. I'm agitated by the inaction. Like I mean, you can take a look at some of the other ministers in this government and go like, people were jumping up and down on Chandra yesterday. That he mm-hmm. was allowing Doctor Dean Henshaw. I saw that. I get it. Chantros a pariah right now. <laughs> he breathes funny. People are going to lose their minds. Yeah, yeah. So whether it was a misogynistic statement or just a poor usage of the, or really, it's just I'm like, I'm I'm getting it out of the way and allowing the doctor to have, like, however you want to present that, it doesn't matter. Whatever he does, but, uh, you know, we're getting so hypercritical, but at least, you know, he's he's not doing a great job, but he's at least doing the job. Right, right. Devin Drieschen announced measures for firefighting um, yesterday, which you could get into the, you just cut all their funding six weeks ago, and now you're giving some of it back. And it's currently snowing in Calgary. So I'm really worried about a fire ban. Um, but at least <laughs> he's doing something. Yeah. This, and, and something uh, relevant to
0: what he's supposed to be doing.
1: Yeah. Which is the question we had asked on a previous podcast of what are the other ministers doing? Okay, at least they're looking for something to do. Maybe some of it's related, some of it's not. But at least they're trying. Yeah. I am not seeing anything. This, this minister should be up there as one of the top people like the issues facing seniors right now are even bigger than what the finance minister is going to be facing in a couple months. Mm -hmm. We don't get a handle on this. The numbers will keep going up.
0: Yeah. And Dr. Henshaw has been, uh, she's been, I think more than clear about how much of a problem this is, but you I, I don't believe that Josephine Pond has been at any of those press conferences. Like, sure, we've seen Jason Kenney, we've seen Shandro. Uh, uh, again, I, I get those two being there. But the biggest problem for Alberta right now falls into Josephine Pond's lap. Yeah. And we're not seeing her. There's She's
1: not doing press conferences. Well, and why is she highlighting TMX? Why is she highlighting that the government's putting $2 billion in the roads? I, you know, Albertans should be going, why is she not highlighting that there's $2 billion going into care facilities? i that might be a little too much. Who knows? I don't know. I don't have the numbers, but. Well, give them the
0: budget and whatever they don't use, take it back.
1: <sighs> yeah. Right. You know, like the, the, <laughs> the other one, it's just like. I'm not a fan of big government, but this is one of those things where it's like...
0: We need to do better.
1: Yeah. Like, if, yeah. if you're not going to do that, open up the Soylent Green camps and just call it a day. And if you guys don't know what I'm talking about, Google Soylent Green Charleston Heston. Yeah. Huh.
0: okay. I, I think, you know, um, there are... A number of different advocates uh, for proper care for our seniors. I know when I first saw uh, when I first saw Dalton's tweet. The I I was going to I was going to quote it with, you know, we're all going to be this age someday. Is this the government that you want at that time? Because that's what it. That's this is. This is something that I don't understand how anyone can look at, at anyone trying to make the trade-off of but the economy when we may all be in that position
1: someday. Well, it, it's no different than, I don't know which, which ranking official it was, whether it was a congressman or a lieutenant governor or whatever, the one from Texas, who basically said that we've got seniors who so will be willing to die for our economy. Yes, that was really? the lieutenant governor. Really? Like that that's this is the Canadian version of that. Yeah. It's like they're in long term care, that's okay. They're gonna die anyway. That the mortality rates are high, so so what if it gets accelerated? Really? <laughs> but they're also the, the first ones to stand up and, and rail against assist, um, physician assisted suicide
0: oh right of course yes pro-life
1: we're we're pro-life right up to the point that we get to choose who lives and dies
0: yeah and that's that's almost in a way that almost is yeah, what seems to be happening like uh the the article that i had written the one day the the trump versus trudeau response and i had thrown a lot of Potentials uh, out there. And one of them was, you know, did anyone ask the accountants whether or not COVID would actually be good for us? And that was tongue in cheek, of course. Yep. But the thing was that at the time, the only person who had made that comment was the lieutenant governor in Texas. Uh, this Unfortunately, to me, seems like maybe there are people in Canada who are also using the same bean counting and saying, you know what? Maybe this wouldn't be so bad because nothing else explains how slow they have been to protect these these centers.
1: Well, it goes. I think it goes back to also what we were talking about before: just general lack of empathy.
0: Yeah and that's that is a that's a a thing that again starting to pick up in the headlines um about healthcare advocates specifically around seniors care and how these advocates have been active for a very long time trying to ensure that this vulnerable population was appropriately taken care of and you know, we find it in uh, childcare as well, right? One of the lowest paid professions. And now we can look at the the healthcare aid, which is again one of the lowest paid professions. And these are people who are taking care of yeah, are vulnerable in society. And we don't seem to respect what they're doing at all. At least we don't show it with you know Wages, benefits, uh, protections, security—we're not—we're not doing a good job as a society of showing that we still care.
1: Well, I think I think what this pandemic has demonstrated is what's essential, what's not, what's important, what's not, and—and and I mean to to run off of your point, you know, all of a sudden now we're suddenly talking about maybe our food supply is important, maybe maybe the truckers trying to get from A to B. Um, should actually get good facilities to eat and sleep at, rather than having to bunk in the back of the truck. Because screw you, you got a delivery to make. When it gets to the grocery store, maybe maybe we need to pay attention to how people are handling things because you know you hear tons of horror stories about the the working in, in an Amazon um, warehouse. And the the crack of the whip, so to speak, and mm-hmm. you know, like I said on the previous times, Bezos just isn't making a lot of friends through this process between Amazon and Whole Foods. Now you're getting into uh, people are now identifying it's like, oh wait, frontline workers in a grocery store, the people are who put super the food. Out, they, yeah, like, like yeah, we can remove a bunch of those things and have the tills and reduce. Um, the number of there, but it's still, we're asking people who make minimum wage to show up to work every day because all of us want to eat. Right. And we, and we don't sit there and go, wait, hang on. Is this, this, this is clearly an essential. And so if it's essential, why is it, why is it so low wage?
0: Yeah. I, I, I wonder, I wonder in that larger existential question whether or not this will bring about a lasting change in the way that we look at these things, or is it just, you know, we'll Well, clap every day at 8 p.m. and, and, uh, and
1: that'll stop soon enough too. Yeah. Um, but no, I think, I think what we'll see is it'll start in the U S if Biden comes forward with some profound societal changes there, the ripples will be felt everywhere else.
0: Mm-hmm. Well, because and even that's, we, the,
1: that's the power of the U.S. period.
0: Right. And we did actually see when this was first becoming an issue. So let's look at I'm going to say February, but March was so long. Um, so it could have been March where there were uh, grocery store companies. In the, and, you know, this we know is even a bigger problem in places like the States. Because without benefits, people don't get health care down there. right? Yeah. So they're, they're, yeah, their benefits are even, you know, more of a necessity than what ours are here in Canada. But uh, there were you did see, and I don't know if it was Whole Foods, but there was, there was a grocery retailer, and there were a couple of other uh, larger companies that both said, you know, from this day forward, we are going to ensure that all of our workers have sick leave and this is not something that's going to end after the pandemic. We're going to make sure that our workers have sick leave because suddenly it became a, a, a bottom line issue, right? If we have to shut down this entire store, we're going to lose money. So allowing our, our workers to take the time off that they might need if they're sick, that's important to us now.
1: Well, there's two sides of this coin. One, at first, uh, I don't think Whole Foods is one of them. I think they had a walkout <laughs> and Amazon is now got right, potentially right. firing people who were just trying to ask for these things. But anyway, um, no, it's it's two things. It's like, one, are we are we really going to start paying people a living wage, which then gets back into universal income or, you know, appropriate minimum wages there's there's a lot of um, costs and stuff like that. There was an interesting article on uh, the whole UBI things that if we give everybody universal basic income, we may actually be cutting some of our other social programs, but I digress. So, um, that's the one. But the other one is, is that right now people are railing going, you know what, our 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 grocery clerks should be getting 25 bucks an hour. They should get $30 an hour teachers because my 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 kids are at home. And now I realize how much of a terror they are. They should be making more money, not less. All those things are being said now. Right. Go six months after the pandemic. Do you want to pay $10 for a carton of eggs? Do you want to pay $10 for a gallon of milk? Because now all those grocery stores are going to have to get those costs back. Are we prepared to pay true value for these products? And don't forget, the farmers at some point are going to want to get in line and go, wait, oh, hang on a second. That's my milk. That's my eggs. When do I get paid? Because no one's ever sat there and went, you know what? Farmers are getting paid way too much. CTF didn't write that article today. Yeah, no. Let's cut back. You know why our food costs are high? Because farmers get paid way too much. Haven't seen that article ever. So when we talk, start talking real costs of food and everybody getting a uh, a living wage, um, are we going to be okay in six months to pay that?
0: Right. And it, it is a...
1: When the tax this... bill comes, are we going to be willing to pay teachers again? It's like, it's, uh, a, it's a great idea now when the kids are home, but as soon as the kids go back to the school, wait... They get two months off, their days out, like all the, all those things will come back Mm -hmm. or have we learned the, will we learn the lesson coming out of this?
0: Well, I, I would also say there's a possibility that it depends on how long this lasts, that that's going to be a major factor because you have, you have so many people right now that are saying, okay, it's been long enough. We can reopen the economy. Those are also individuals who obviously have had it up to here with, with this situation. And maybe it is, uh, you know, maybe it's, it's related to things like trying to homeschool your kids and working at home and all of these other things, or maybe it's just the fact that you can't find work. There's, there's a number of options to it, but we know that this is going to last at least another month and a half, if not longer, we're, we're still looking at about three months ish. And, so the longer that this lasts i think the better it will be recalled in someone's memory right we were that's something that we always mention is that how short people's memories are when they don't like the facts but the longer that we are in this situation that's how long it takes to change a behavior right I don't know how long but, it takes to change your mind if, if yeah, you're really well, set.
1: Yeah, well, that's just it. Like, I mean, you know, you were feeding a troll here on Twitter the other day that to the point where I had to text you to stop um, <laughs> because you know it was circulating the whole hashtag woo flu. It's like that that yeah. went away. That like that that BS line went away out of the, even out of Trump's mouth, and we've still got. ripples of that. So I'm hoping at some point, there's always going to be those people whose minds you'll never change, but Mm -hmm. to bring it back, it's like, I'm really hoping that this changes in this government, both provincially and federally. I have more faith at this point in the federal ones because I've at least seen some empathy with them.
0: It's true. It's true.
1: And I... I I fear our at-risk population in this province is going to take one more boot to the head. I
0: I wish I could, I wish I could say that I'm more optimistic because I'm not. Um, And, and also because this is not a new problem. It's not a new problem anywhere. Like you said, it's, it seems like we, we build these buildings and, okay, they seniors go there and, and then we, you know, the rest of us get on with our lives, so to speak. Yep.
1: Uh, There's nothing so, sexy about it. There's, no. there, there, Josephine Pond standing in front of a senior center isn't going to get headlines and so they won't do it.
0: No. Uh, well, I mean, it might get some headlines now. Uh, but, but, yeah, we are looking for a better response. We are looking for... Uh, we, we're definitely looking for more from our government in in this particular situation because suddenly it's being highlighted how bad uh, things can be in these centers. Uh, you know the one of the articles too was saying that that this three feet apart uh, sharing rooms and things, yeah, that may work during you know a normal. Uh, situation but that's not what this is and there are so many care homes that actually don't have space to isolate yeah so it's it's made even worse you know with that and yeah it's showing it is showing how woefully unprepared we were and how uh, little we did when we knew that this should have been this should have been the first group of individuals who were
1: protected. Yep. Well, I mean, I go back to the thinking everybody thinks the government should run like a household. Yeah. Except that it's a horrible analogy because nobody ever looks at the we're spending in certain capacities because we aren't a household. Right. So my household
0: doesn't have to take care of my entire community. That's, that's not, that's not where my money
1: goes. If, if that were the case, if your household was the one responsible, nobody should be questioning why your garage is full of PPE. Yeah. But, but what we have is a bunch of people running around going, why are you spending money like this? Why are you cutting the lawn that way? Why are you putting that in your garage? Why, you know, if you were running your household, like I run my household, you wouldn't be doing those things. And it's like, you're right. If I was running a household, I wouldn't be doing things that way. But I'm not running a household. I'm running a government. And yeah. the rules are different. Absolutely. Because this is the time we want the government spending. Like, this is this is where everyone's like, where's where are our surpluses? Where are our, uh, where's our uh, all the money that we could have put away in the good times? Well, we gave it back to people. We sent Ralph bucks to people. We reduced yeah. tax rates. We did all these things. So... Alberta, with all the affluence that we had over decades, squandered it. And now when we need it, we could have gone to a heritage fund. You know, everybody sits there, oh, if we had done what Norway had done, we'd have all this in the heritage fund. Yeah, we would have. And then we would have had to pay for everything. At the time. Have, with cash, just like a household. Take it out of <laughs> the wallet. But we didn't. We squandered it like a household. And yeah. all you have to do is take a look at the average household's debt level in this country maybe we shouldn't be running our government government like a our household, household.
0: <laughs> best argument ever um yeah i hate i i don't know i hate i hate the topic today I, I it's it's something that makes you feel uh fairly helpless in the grand scheme of things because i guess because at this point this isn't necessarily something that an individual can take care of. This is, this is a government problem. This is a regulatory problem. This is a, 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 an act problem. This is, this is way beyond what the individual can do. And you can talk to any seniors advocate, uh, an advocacy group who will probably tell you that they've been doing this for years and years and years. And it's not an individual problem. This is a government problem.
1: Oh yeah, definitely. Well, it is, but it's not because at the end of the day, we elect our governments. Yep. If you don't, if you don't like what they're doing, put your vote somewhere else. Yeah. Take take a little time and take a look at who are you voting for.
0: Who's going to be helped?
1: Uh- if, if you're if you're voting for a color over a color of a sign, let's make that clear. Um, <laughs> If you're you're voting for a particular colored sign over even understanding whose name is on it. Let alone
0: the policies that they're running on. Yeah. Yeah. Well, yeah, I, I don't know. Uh, I, I, I don't know what happens from here. I would like to hope as well that things change. I would like to, I would like to hope that there is pressure on this government from, I don't know their friggin' support base to change this now.
1: Well, and I mean, this is the thing. It's like this is the mistake conservatives like this make. And I talked to you um, offline about this previously. Is like the whole LGBTQ issue was under misunderstood by the old PCs, mm-hmm. the old mm-hmm. Bill Ten from from those days. I I door-knocked during that time, and I had small C conservatives say to me, it's like, this is a mistake by the PCs, going after LGBTQ kids. I have LGBTQ kids. I have friends who have LGBTQ Like, this was, they misunderstood. It wasn't just the one in ten that that identify as gay. But but it was bigger, because it's not just that one in ten, but that person has friends. And they know, the, and and this became personal to a lot of people. Well, we're now talking more than one in ten. Everybody starts with four grandparents. Mm-hmm. You might not be at four when they're in the long term care, but everybody's got a grandma. Everybody's got a grandpa. and it and that's who you're fucking with. Yeah, and and that's that's going to be the mistake. This that they're not going to see this one coming because everybody's got a grandma and grandma's in the long-term care. And even if grandma didn't die, grandma was in there or grandma's got friends that were in the other home. Yeah. Or you've got seniors who were looking at learn long, long-term care as next phase of life. And who
0: are now scared to do so.
1: Yeah. Or you've got people who are going to put grandma into a long-term care. And now it's like, do I do that? Do I pay for home nursing? Do I bring, what does that look like? This, this starts becoming bigger and bigger. And the mistake this government is making with lack of empathy is this is the wrong pool to mess with.
0: I would agree with that. I think we're going to end it on that rant. Okay. Cause it was good. And you almost made me cry. You can find us on Twitter at political R N D at Mitchell underscore AB and
1: at AB Mark Taylor.